Stand by. The vacuum tubes are warming up. This is a special live broadcast. Right here on Georgia Radio. 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 Well, welcome once again to Georgia Radio and the Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio Show. We come to you each and every Tuesday night at 7.30. And you can listen on the podcast. If you miss the show, you can listen. All the episodes are available there. Here with Matt Jolly, our station owner and a great friend. You say it like that, and it sounds like it's so important. It makes you sound like an entrepreneur <laughs> right. extraordinaire. Just the guy that pays the bills it, is what it works that's out. That's right. Until, until this thing starts <laughs> one, making some money, you know. Yes, one day, well, I, I'm hoping, see, if I be nice and kiss up, then one day you might make some money out of this, and yeah. I might make a dollar out of it, We too, might. So. Yeah, we. you never We. I'll buy your, your lunch now at the Brown Bag Cafe or something. And my old pushy cat, if he's there, yeah. uh, we'll feed him a, a, a French fry or two. Well, uh, t- hey, tonight we ha- I'm uh, honored to have uh, Carson Sands. Now, Carson uh, is is called Rock uh, by most everybody that knows him, family and friends. And he has a lot of family and a lot of friends because Rock, uh, he hails from Daisy, Georgia, over in Evans County. And he and his family are well-known over there. They're good, a good family, a rock-solid local uh, Christian family. And uh, he's... Uh, owner of Sands Logging, which is more than just logging. It's a, he buys timber. He has a, a timber buyer, and he buys timber, tracks of timber. It's a couple of uh, logging crews and then other loggers that produce for him. So uh, welcome, Rock. Well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. What I wanted to talk, I want to start out. Uh, tell us a little bit of family history. Daisy is a little town over just out of Claxton, and your family's been there quite a long time, haven't they? Yeah, I think that the uh, first fans, uh, folks maybe moved into this area in the early 1800s or late 1700s, somewhere along there, best we can tell. And uh, we've, we've been right here at Daisy ever since then. Well, and the family used to farm. Of course, everybody used to farm, but uh, farming wasn't as good as to you in the later years as, as uh as logging has been, and I know you and you love both. I'm sure, don't you? Uh, but you yeah, tell I, us how I, you had, had transitioned from farming and about your farm family and your dad and all. I know y'all were, had farming and farming related enterprises. So talk to us about how about that and how you transitioned into logging. Well, I grew up on a on a dairy farm. My dad was a dairy business, and uh, along about 1974, he decided he was he'd had enough of it, and. Uh, he decided we could make a living row cropping. And uh, so he sold dairies and, and uh, tried to row crop. And, of course, I mean, he'd been row cropping all along before then, too. But it looked like every decision we made was the wrong one, and we had some bad luck, too. And, and uh, we we lost the farming operation and most of our property. But uh, the way we got into the logging was we he had done some logging growing up and the salt mill and stuff like that. And uh, he told me that we were going to have to cut some timber to pay some of our debts. And that's how we actually transitioned into logging. And we logged and farmed there for two or three years. And finally, the, uh, the farming operation couldn't sustain itself any longer. And we kind of out of that. And we logged all our place. And then we had some neighbors that won some logging. And uh, we cut some timber for them. And we... A uh, local wood dealer, a 
uh, came to us and wants to cut some wood for him. And one thing led to another, and that's, that's where it started. Well, that's uh, it. You were able to buy back part of some of the farm, or yeah, I bought back a portion of it. Uh, that's it, uh, it, you know, it, and it's, it's some of the old old family property, some of the original family property, and um, and that, I was able to hold on to part of that. So thank the Lord for that. Amen. And, well, Rock, when you started logging, it was in uh, it was in the chainsaw. And feet on the ground uh, era, where where there was machines and tractors involved and hydraulic loaders and things, but you sat out in the open and uh, and you and you cut and trimmed the top with uh and, and cut the length with a chainsaw, and uh, there was cables and skitters and things. So tell us about how, what how your first logging was, and, and I want you to tell that story. <laughs> uh, I love that story about uh, you struggled for a long time and about the, the time that you rebuilt the engine in one machine and then had to rebuild the other and you finally had to rob parts from another. So tell, tell it, it, was, it, it Yeah. It, it was all uphill there for, for a few years. There. We were, our credit was, <laughs> we couldn't buy any new equipment. And uh, so we had to buy stuff that somebody else already worn out. And like I say, we started out with chainsaws, cutting everything down, laying it with chainsaws and old cable tractors, skid bitting. We didn't have a loader to start with. We had a little excavator. We took a set of dogs and a chain and, and had to hook each log individually to drag it up over the log trailer. It's warning we didn't get killed doing that. But wow. we, uh, the story you're talking about were when we had all the problems in the equipment, we moved in on a track and didn't know it, but we'd set our brow up right next to a little cemetery. It was it was just all growed up in the trees right there. Nobody kept it up. So nobody knew it was there. And we found it uh, before we, you know, destroyed it. But uh, we were we were working there one afternoon. I was on the loader, and the uh, skitter operator came up to the brow, and there was smoke coming out of the front of the tractor. Stopped him and got to look, trying to figure out what it was. And I noticed they had a lot of blow by. And uh, I said, Well, go ahead and make it another drag. It wasn't running hot or anything. And the next time he came that brow, I couldn't even see there's so much smoke coming out of it. And so we, we didn't have money to get anybody to work or we had to work for ourselves. So we pulled the engine out right there that afternoon, stuck it in the back of the truck, brought it home. And, and I had, had enough room to build, rebuild that one. It was a 453 Detroit engine in a C7 tree farmer. And uh, we rebuilt it, carried it back up to the woods. The loader wouldn't crank. <laughs> uh, I had to turn around and tear that loader down. Get, we had to take part of the parts we took out of the first one and put in it. Because oh. we didn't have money to buy any more parts. <laughs> Some of the old got, parts out of the first yeah, motor right. that blew up. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, we got it. We got the motor set in there, and then the, the cutout machine wouldn't crank. We had one working on it too. So it was. A, it was. We all set up beside cemeteries anymore. I can tell you that. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't believe in luck, but we don't believe in in uh, taking chances too much either. You know. We're quick learners. That's hilarious. Well, you progressed from that kind of you did you did hardship logging for a long time, and but you oh, kept yeah. uh, uh, getting better equipment, 
And one of the, the major things that made a difference, I suppose, is being able to buy tracts of timber. And that way you don't just get the logging money. You, you hopefully can help the landowner make money and make a little money yourself. Yeah, there's not a lot of profit to be made if you're just logging for someone else. I mean, right. you really have to be They've got to figure down to the bare bones, you know. Yeah, you have, have good luck. It, it, I mean, you have to have some good luck and be a real hard worker and smart, too. And uh, we realized early on that if we could buy our own timber, we could help the landowner, and we would end up with a little bit more profit, too, because we cut out one step. And uh, so we started trying to buy our own timber, and uh, locally we we finally had some clients that, you know, trusted us from year to year, and uh, we kept, you know, getting a little bit larger and bigger. And uh, now we've got a, a lot of folks that depend on us to cut their timber for them. We buy wood also on the outside, you know, too, at these sales and things. But uh, we have a lot of clients that, that we return business, you know, and that, that's, a, that's a good thing for us and them, I think. Well, you know, I, I know there are people, a lot of landowners, and uh, especially older families, that, that if 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 you can't cut it, they just probably won't cut it because they, they love dealing with you and your family, the crews, and the way you do business. If, if if they can't deal with rock sands, they'll just cut it later or not at all. And uh, that speaks well. And, and uh, now you've got two crews of your own, and your son Charles uh, did work for you for many years, and your, your son-in-law, Scotty Roundtree, uh, still does. And uh, you've got a couple of good crews there. And now Charles has gone in on his own, uh, stepped out on his own now. But uh, he's he's in the logging too, right? Yes, sir. And he he he's been talking about it for several years. And I told him, you know, one day I said, Charles, that's something you want to do. I said, you go ahead and do it. I said, I can help you right now. I said, a few years from now, I don't know if I can or not. I said, but if you you want to do, you go ahead and try it. And he's he's I think he's been I enjoyed it. And uh, I wish he well. Maybe maybe yeah. he could. Yeah. He's doing the kind of logging. I think he must enjoy it. He's having a, a pleasure with. Well, one thing now, uh, I kind of in truth, truth out here now. Uh, you're my employer. I work for you, and and uh, I've one of you've got a lot of employees, and you got a pretty good bunch of guys overall working for you. And uh, well, yeah. having good help makes the world a difference. Now I can't claim that I'm one of the good help. I'm just I just one of your one of the help, but. You do have some some uh, you could, guys uh, that you can depend on. You don't have to be right there all the time, and that makes a difference. Uh, well, you I don't know what business you're in. You're no better than the people that work for you, and that that's what people see day in and day out. Are your employees and the job they do? And I tell them, you know, I say, look, do the very best job you can do. I say you might not get a, a slap in the back. Anybody brag on you? I said, but. If you mess it up, I said, they're going to tell everybody they see. And I said, you, your, our reputation doesn't follow us. It precedes us. I said, if we don't do a good job, we're get around. So we do the best we can. Well, that's, that's I like that, uh, that that statement there. It says a lot. You left reputation preceding you. Uh, there's a uh, a lot of people in the in login that just kind of fly by night and they come in and they, they don't do a good job. They don't take pride in what they do. And I know everybody that works for you understands that you're representing uh, 
Carson's rock sands. And we have to be mindful of that because even when I'm driving, sometimes I have to, well, wait, wait a minute. Wait, I'm, I don't need to be that aggressive. Or I don't need, because your name's on the side of that truck and people know you. You're right. And, and I have to be mindful of it. And so the way we present ourselves out there, and it is because you're, you're, uh, you're and Miss Miriam are Christians, your family of Christian people, and your business principles are based on uh, Christian principles. Those kind of things make a difference. And uh, there, there's there's others out there too. You aren't the only one. There's some great loggers and logging families out there, and uh, and and it gets in your blood. It'd be hard to quit, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, people people ask me from time to time how much long I'm going to keep doing this, and uh, I tell them, well, I, I don't know. I, as long as I enjoy it and can do it, I, I, I plan on doing it. Uh, like I've got folks that depend on me, you know. Employees, families that depend on me, and uh, as long as it all works, I, I I don't plan on retiring. And uh, I didn't know, uh, to be honest with you, whenever we had to quit farming, I didn't think I'd ever enjoy anything as much as I did that. But the Lord uh, knew what was best for me, and uh, I really this farm, this logging thing has been really good to me and my family. Well, you um try to keep good equipment now and then my daddy bless his heart <laughs> he used to run junk and daddy daddy was just one of them old timers he just uh he could run some junk you know he didn't want to have a, a good equipment now uh it's hard to decide sometimes when it when it's time to upgrade it i mean that's not an easy decision because equipment and trucks and the machines cost so much and buying new or used do you buy new do you buy used is it time to is this machine uh, is it still paying for itself? or I, How do you decide uh, when it's time to upgrade machinery? It's hard. It's hard to know. I mean, there's a fine line you got to walk there because you don't want to carry any more debt than you've got to carry. And, uh, but I will say this, that the equipment that we buy now that is a much better equipment than we bought years ago. It costs a lot more, but it's a lot better equipment. And uh, yeah, we're I running... But further than we ever have now, I think a lot of it's uh, because the equipment's better, and I think our people take better care of it too. Well, hey, Rock, we're fishing. We're going to take a break for just a minute. So just hold on, Matt. You with you with us? Yeah, I'm with you. Just be right back. All the best country, Georgia radio, everywhere you go. All right, we're back, and uh, we're here with uh, Matt and I with uh, listening to the Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio Show, and we've got on tonight, uh, our guest is Carson Sands, known as Rock to family and friends in Daisy, Georgia, down in Evans County. Uh, i tell you one thing that's interesting to me. Uh, I know uh, people think that uh, loggers hate trees. <laughs> we want to see them all die. <laughs> we want to kill them all. And, uh that's not so. You have a great respect for trees and timber land, don't you, uh, Rock? I do, and I, and I, you know, I've learned a lot through this master timber harvesting program about uh, best management practices and uh, trying to protect the soil and water. And uh, we we harvest trees, but we like seeing people plant more trees, and people. And we try to help folks manage their uh, 
September if they if they want us to. I, mean, we'll, I have a registered forester that works for me. Very good man. And uh, yeah, elderly folks, widow folks, or you know whoever, if they need help or advice, we try to help them. We don't we don't want to we don't want to damage their property or their timber. We want to try to help them get the most they can out of it. That's right, Matt. You have a Zimbabwe? well. I'm just curious. You know, you you've we all survived the great toilet paper apocalypse here the last two years, and we heard about how. <laughs> You know, the price was going up and all this business, but you don't hear anything about folks who are in the timber business getting rich. Uh, explain a little bit for those of us that, that don't know um, how this works, uh, because you as a logger, uh, you're, you're going in, you're buying this stuff. But I mean, these landowners aren't getting rich off this stuff either, from what I'm hearing. No, uh, stumpage prices really haven't gone up like they should have in respect to the price of lumber and the paper products and stuff like that. I don't really know who's making all the money. but it's And, and they say it's not the, the hardware. They say it's somewhere between us and the hardware. So I, mean, I, don't, I don't really know who's making it. But uh, Well, I have a friend the, that's in the foresting business, you know, and, and in the timber business, and he said, you know, he, he'll go 15, 20 years without a harvest. And he said this was the first, I guess last year was the first year he had harvested anything in 15 right. or so years, but he said, you know, it's just been really down and that we saw a lot of people invest, uh, in land, uh, for retirement investments. I mean, this was a big thing 15, 20 years ago where people were buying all this land, uh, and putting it into retirement accounts. Have you, have you seen any of that or is it, is it coming back up? You think, is this a good time to start buying or wh- where are we rock? I think that timber's still a good investment. Um, uh, Timber, uh, from what these consultants folks tell me, no more about it than I do, timber will grow about 10% a year. And uh, as long as, you know, the price holds steady, if you, anything that's doing 10% right now is pretty good. I mean, when you compare that to money on deposit or whatever. Oh, yeah, sure. And so I think it's still a good investment. And uh, which, I mean, I, I don't know about other folks, but I just enjoy Having something that I can invest in, that I can go out and put my hands on it, look at it, walk it around, and see <laughs> right. it through. You know? Right. And uh, well, and enjoy than, too. You know, I mean, you can get out there and walk around in it. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so I think it's a good investment. Uh, I wish it were doing a little better than it is, but I don't know. It's, it's we're all intertwined in this worldwide market now. It's no longer just a local or national market we compete with other countries and i don't know sometimes our leaders and all make some poor decisions on stuff like that but they don't help us in some of the areas need to be happy to see them but uh i think i think timber is still a good investment well rock you know uh one of the biggest changes that a lot of people aren't aware of um there's not anybody no new sawmill being built and new new paper mills. What what the the infrastructure that receives the what we cut down in the logwoods has basically stayed stagnant for forty years. Am I right? With this one recent exception is the container wood going overseas, and I don't think people realize just how much of the timber that's cut in Georgia today no longer goes to the local mills. It goes to container yards and goes to China. 
Well, it winds yeah. up in China or, or Vietnam or uh, India or Malaysia or you know Cambodia. All those all those uh, Asian countries are buying a lot of wood from us, uh, and they, and they really help prop up salt timber market in our state. I don't know about other states, but in our state especially, you know, we're fortunate to have this big port down here, which is what's really, you know, makes us a, a, a real good market for those other countries because a lot of these ships that come into our port are loaded down with goods, but when they leave, they've got a bunch of empty containers on them. They don't always carry a load back with them. And a lot of this wood that we're sending out almost gets a free ride back to China or one of those other countries. And so well, this port's very advantageous to us. Well, Savannah, the port of Savannah is, a, you're right, it, uh, it's just where it all winds up down there. Uh, and and a lot of people, and sometimes, you know, you're ambivalent. You, you like it, but you worry about the, the, the container wood industry shipping out logs. But if it was not for that, that the that, those trees would be hard to market, wouldn't they? Well, I, I know our market would be there as strong as it is. It creates a little competition, and it helps get us a better price a lot of times for our wood, just having that other market, because it's all about supply and demand. And uh, that, other, that other demand helps bring the price up. I know uh, countries that have uh, poor countries, a lot of times, like, some of these South American countries and third world countries that have natural resources that they just load ore and timber and such uh, phosphate fertilizer and stuff. They just load it up and ship it out and they don't process it or what they call value added. And so anytime you have a commodity that you ship out and it's not value added, in other words, it's not processed really in any way locally and nobody, it goes, that, that is a, a deficit. Uh, situation. In other words, it would be better if we could saw it, just, just use the, all the, the, the parts of the trees that we that are sawed to bark for fuel, wood, things. But we have, we're, we're integrated market. We, it's not just container wood. We, we saw a lot. We, uh, you know, still our sawmills saw a lot of, of lumber. And the southern yellow pine is the premier lumber in the United States and probably the world. And uh, then we have the pulp industry the pine pulp industry, um, those things are, are still dominate the, the market. I, I don't think container wood shipped out overseas uh, is bigger than any of that. So I see it as a part of it. And I think back to back a long time ago in the, in the 60s, 50s and 60s, it used to say that a tree that was turpentine, a slash for long leaf pine, was worth, you'd get its value as a tree. Uh, if you cut it down, you could get that much turpentine out of it every year. Its value as a standing tree, and uh, but th- then turpentine market ended, and then people started. That's when people started cutting timber. Logging was slow, and and what what people didn't clear cut. It was after turpentine and ended, so it's always going to be changed. It's, we we get used to one fast aspect or facet of what we're familiar with, and we think that's the way it's always been and always should be. But that's never been true. It's changed from the time you were a boy, hadn't it? I mean, continuously, right? It has. It's changed a lot, and, and we've uh, gone from a, a, a slash pine and longleaf pine to predominantly uh, loblolly 
which is a black band, uh, now, and uh, they're all they're all Southern Yellow Pine. But with the pulp and paper industry, you know, being doing as well as it has in our in the last fifty years, there's more uh, limelight that playing it now than anything. And, uh, right, I could, we can remember when people used to gather and sell slash cones, and nobody does that anymore. People used to buy them in their yard, you know, and sell them for seed, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, but yeah, that's the the. I remember when improved slash was it, and planted when when the, when people started planting pines, and and you you like me, you're just a little bit older than me, not much, but can well remember when people didn't plant pines much, and then when it started, it was in slashed, improved slash, and then. But like you say, the loblolly, it just grows so much faster, and it's it's uh, as a crop, it's a better crop tree for con- sustainable, continued time after time harvested. Now, if you want to plant long-term, you know, habitat for one long leaf or slash is, is probably a better bet. But that's a, margin, a smaller part of the pie. The big thing is planting pines for continual regeneration and harvesting. Exactly. I think that a lot of the research... Uh, about years ago was done on the loblolly because the public paper industry realized it was a little faster to grow a tree. And uh, so they, that's where they put their money. And uh, that's why we have such a good tree now. But, I mean, slash, slash and loblolly were good trees too. I'm not, not saying they aren't, but the loblolly just grows a lot faster. Right. Now, when we, whenever we're logging down on, uh, say, Fort Stewart, that's a completely different thing. It's a horse of a different color. You're not cutting planted pines. You're cutting natural growth, older growth stuff, and it's slashing longleaf for the most part. And sometimes we'll get on a track uh, that's, that's natural growth. And that's uh, part of logging today is, is uh, you know, some, some loggers just pretty much all they do is thin or cut, clear cut, planted pines. And that's what they're set up for, high volume. What, what's good about your setup and us? We we can we could do either one. We could go out there and cut uh, thin or cut uh, clear cut uh, mature you know uh, planted pines, or we could go on a track and select cut old growth, older growth stuff, and and select cut it, not clear cut it, and or clear cut it. However they want it done, but we're set up to do it all. And that's my favorite logging is the old the old growth stuff. You know, it's just I find it much more interesting. Well, I I enjoy cutting. Uh, we're down at Fort Stewart because, like you say, it is the older, uh, tight grain uh, trees and the large pine trees. And all but, uh, we we've learned over years that we need to be as flexible as we can and uh, be able to, you know, do whatever it takes to to uh, keep going. And that being said, we had learned early on. We had the thin timber, we had clear cut timber, we had cut some hardwood places and, and stuff like that. So we we should pretty much cut anything, you know, that we feel like we could make money on. Well, on a track like we've been on, that we've cut, you know, hardwood putwood, hardwood log, cut logs, uh, pine cut logs, container wood, as we call them, and pine putwood and chip and saw. I know that confuses some people, but you get on a track like that and uh, you can. Uh, you know, you've got uh, options to send to different mills and yards. And uh, sometimes they're full up, won't take wood, they cut you off. That's part of the business. But that's what's good. If you're, in a, if you're on a track where you're doing nothing but uh, thinning a large uh, pine track, uh, thinning planted pines, and the pulp mill cuts off for a few days, 
you're in a mess. So we're, we're about to wind it up, Rob. We've got a couple of minutes. So just talk. I want you to finish out just a couple of minutes, and I'll stop you when it's time to stop. Just talk to us a little bit. Well, I, I have concerns about the industry as a whole because I think that the median age of folks that in my position just gets older and older. And I see very few young men that are able to get into this business. Uh, for one thing, it just takes so much financial, you know, help to get him started. And I just don't, I don't see that many young men that are really interested in me. So I'm hoping that maybe my grandson, my son, son-in-law can carry on our business when I'm gone. But uh, it concerns me when I go to these meetings with uh, all the loggers. I look around and pretty much everybody there is about as old as I am. Because a lot of these young folks that used to do it have found something that they like better, and uh, so that really concerns me. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, some of them will be to carry on the torch. And uh, well, I hope so. I, I mean, you've got, uh, like I say, you've got uh, your son, your son-in-law, you got a grandson coming along. He's coming of age, and I hope to see them uh, stay in it. That would be very rewarding. And uh, I, I can't, I can't see you uh, ever just really just sitting down and and letting it go completely without handing your hand in a little bit. It'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? It would, and and I, my wife and I both enjoy it, and, and we enjoy it because we have, I think, the best folks working for us that you can get, and uh, I know they're the best folks that we've ever had working for us, and, and uh, we appreciate it. We love them and appreciate them. They're like family to us, and. Uh, you know, it, it, something happens to one of them. It's like something happened to one of your family. And so we we uh, we try to help one another, and they and they they all give us a good this day's work. We don't have to be standing right there for them to do it either. And uh, yeah. Rock, I I tell you, you and Miss Miriam, uh, I, again, I work for you, and I it's a pleasure. I love working for you, and uh, it's a great family. I, Miss Miriam, Scotty, Charles, everybody. And the, and the crew, everybody uh, kind of chills out in the in the woods, and it works well. But uh, I appreciate the kindness, and I appreciate you coming on with us tonight. That, it means a lot to me, and I hope you've enjoyed the show. And uh, we'll have Jeremy Nobles, your wood buyer, that he's your uh, timber guy, and he's a very good professional, uh, great guy. Again, a good Christian man, young man, family man, and, and we'll have him on at a later date, and we'll talk about marketing timber more or less with with jeremy but it's been it's been a pleasure to have you on talking uh yeah we sure appreciate you coming on and giving us a i really appreciate a, a high view of the timber industry that was that was great thanks for doing this tonight well i don't know if i told you anything that you can use <laughs> but i appreciate oh, yeah. you hate you listening to me thank you very it's much. our pleasure and and, and uh rock make sure that anybody knows that anybody in the family wants to listen to the, listen on the podcast later all right thanks rock and let's see you in the thanks. woods <laughs> All right. All right. All the best country. Georgia Radio. Everywhere you go.